Hey everyone, welcome to episode 77 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at the podcast and at the hospital church. Personally, Thanksgiving is absolutely my favorite time and holiday of the year. I'm thankful for so much this year that couldn't possibly cover it all and still get in an episode today. I am thankful, however, for the topics we tackle every week in message and podcast. And if you call FHC your home, you are blessed. And before I forget, thank you for listening, for sharing, and for discussing the podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers. For some, this is just a little exposure that they're going to ever hear about the good news. So thank you again for joining us. Real quickly, as always, last week our episode was entitled Glory to God Alone, which was by Andy, where we decided that every week, every person you see is someone God wishes you to invite into his glory. Of course, as always, you can always go back and check that message and podcast out in the archives, hospitalchurch.org or the Florida Hospital Church mobile app. Go to the app. Much, much easier. Always say thank you. That would seem obvious <laughs> sometimes, wouldn't it? And maybe this time of year? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about I thought about naming the whole sermon the thank you you don't want to ever say or something. But anyway, I didn't. I left it, I left it alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, we did, but obviously we ended up with always say thank you, which is good. Because a wise woman once told me <laughs> that no one loves an ungrateful receiver. Mm-hmm. Her advice was to simply accept the gift and say thank you. Don't steal the joy of the giver. So oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that seems so easy, and it was a little bit eye-opening because sometimes we have a tendency to, be, oh no, oh, no, 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 I, I don't, yeah, no, yeah, I don't want don't that. No, 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 you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. When essentially, in her case, it's like I enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. I thought about this, and I picked you to receive. So why are you being a dunce? Yeah, just, just, just do say, it. Just Take it. Thanks. Right? Just say thank well, you. Well, we kind of feel like it's our. It's socially acceptable to to hold back and not receive it right away. You know, there's yeah. this... Uh, Don't be too eager. Yeah. <laughs> Does that elevate us in our mind somehow? I, I think like so. we're a better receiver? Some we... kind of false humility. Yeah, I think it's a, especially for... <laughs> false some, humility. I'm not going to... I mean, uh, I think we've all done it, though. Oh, we've all done it. Yeah. Um, where we didn't allow that person that joy. Now, now sometimes I've been with people who actually wait for that to happen. They say, oh, okay, you sure? Okay, I won't give it to you then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found myself now being a quick acceptor or a mm. quick receiver, which, you know, sometimes the the backside of that is you have to be a re-gifter. <laughs> Which you know, Christmas is coming, yeah. so don't yeah. don't uh, don't be don't worry about the re-get, being a regifter. It's it's okay, it's all right. But can we truly have gratitude, especially this time of year? We all think about gratitude. We all think about giving back. We all think mm-hmm. about how grateful we are for things. Can we truly have gratitude, genuine gratitude, in our hearts and be thankful if we can't really humble ourselves to just accept it? And from our hearts, say thank you. That's part of it, right? Let me let me go back just a second because you, you just you know in terms of gratitude, mm-hmm. I was listening to well, I was listening to Andy. I was thinking, you know, the things that Jesus gives. I think he helps us understand how to be a giver. Okay, because it wasn't something you know, Peter. I think, and was it Peter and John? I'm trying to think of the. They said we didn't have any money yeah. to give you. Mm-hmm. Go up the steps. Of the yeah. And but they had something better, and I think Jesus gave them something that not only were they going to be grateful for, but it was something specifically for 
their life and their need at that time. So Jesus understood a deeper side of who they were. He didn't just say, hey, by the way, I'm going to come in. I'm going to make your life a lot better. We're going to give you guys all a new house. Yeah. Which isn't what they really wanted. (laughs) And Jesus, and I think that's the piece that when we truly give with a thought of understanding who that person really is, there is a real sense. I think we see a real sense of gratitude when we've given a gift or when we've given somebody something that we've actually thought about in terms of their needs. Mm. Well, a conversation that came to mind that I had actually with Stanley real, uh, I think it was this past week where, you know, the, I think it's an old joke that goes something like, you know, the person is caught in a flood and he's sitting on his roof and a person with a canoe comes by and he says, oh, yeah. you know, do you need yeah. help? No, no, no. I, I yeah. trust in God. He's got yeah. me. And, you know, the second time it's someone with a helicopter. No, no, God's right. got me. And, you know, he ends up dying and going to heaven. And he says, good grief, God, I was looking for your help. And, you know, I kept telling these people, I showed my faith. And then, you know, in the end, you let me die. He's like, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What were you waiting for? You know, get in, right? So I was I was thinking of that as I was listening to the sermon this week and thinking, maybe we're missing out on not only, you know, maybe stealing a little joy from the from the giver who mm. God has put on his on their hearts to engage us in this, but also maybe a blessing that he was intending to give us that we may never know about because we're over here like, no, no, we don't need it. Yeah. And that could be something along those same lines, like, you know, I keep talking to God, but he doesn't listen to me. (laughs) I keep thinking, you know, this has been my prayer forever, but it doesn't get answered. So we may need to take those up, take him up on his offer sometimes. Um, Recognize what what we have received. Yeah. So it should come as no surprise that it's easy to be as hard on the nine when we're going thinking about this message and (laughs) the 10 lepers that were healed. And it's as easy to be as hard on the nine as it is on the Pharisee which happens a little bit further on in the message. And yet a little self-reflection would likely reveal a picture that wouldn't be as flattering as we would probably anticipate with our own rose-colored glasses. And I'd never thought about the nine's failure to, or at least on the exterior, be grateful Mm -hmm. as you laid out for the miracle that had just happened to them. And you described a mindset of a sort of doom and gloom waiting for the other shoe to drop view of (laughs) almost being afraid of good things. I think everyone can relate to this, but where does this come from (laughs) when if we really are trusting in God, we have to roll with the punches and know that he's in control, right? The foreboding joy is just a really fascinating concept. Brene Brown writes quite a bit about it. Uh, The whole idea that you just can't – it takes vulnerability to enter into the joy. Okay. Because, okay, so – she she tells a great example about her her kids her her husband's going to take the kids to his parents' farm for a little few days few days away in the country, uh, and she's not going to be able to go with them. And her first natural reaction is, of course, yeah. And then immediately she's like, no, you know, kids are going to break their arms and get bucked <laughs> off a horse. It's going you know, I mean, she, you know, if they can't fly by themselves, if what the, what the plane goes down, I won't be with them. And I mean, just all of a sudden, you just start putting all these things in. And and it's because you ha- you can't embrace the vulnerability of it. The reality is, is when joyful things happen, and you accept the joy, there may be another shoe that does drop, or maybe not. We don't know. But right. but we you have to enter that vulnerable spot. And gratitude is one of the great ways that can be an antidote to foreboding joy. Because instead of saying well, all this might could happen, or you know what about this and what about that, if you simply say I'm so glad you're going to get to be able to be with the kids at your parents' house and be able to ride the horses right. and enjoy the farm or whatever it is, you know, they're going by by, the, by bringing gratitude up. 
it dispels the the vulnerability fear of the of the situation and the foreboding joy kind of moment. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's actually – I like to see that as part of the story of the ten, the ten lepers. Yeah. Because the, I think they got the, – the nine got robbed of their that, that joy. I mean because, – Because they would not embrace the vulnerability. Because they, yeah, because they didn't the, embrace the, it. Turning, turning around might mean missing the priest this evening and not getting back with your family. Right. You know, right. Turning around might mean – Mm-hmm. As I retrace my steps, I get the leprosy back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah, all it's of that. All those fears, and whereas gratitude is, relieves those. It, you, can, you can kind of almost see, because they said he's a Samaritan. Right. And you can kind of almost see him running with the rest of them, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, the priest isn't going to see me, you know, because yeah. he's a Samaritan. <laughs> oh. And he's probably yeah. just sort of sitting there going... Wait a minute, you know, I'm I, I have nowhere to go, and all of a sudden he just realizes what happened to him, and I think that's where joy entered in. So he goes back and he realizes I have complete joy in the giver of what has just happened. Hmm. It's and, kind of a cool idea to think. Yeah, so it's almost like he had less to go back to in a way. He yeah, had he yeah. had less to accomplish at that moment, and so maybe there's a correlation to being a little less busy, yeah. having your eyes focused in the right place, and realizing, whoa, that just happened. Where, so, like you said, these guys, and not necessarily, and that's the part that I never really thought about was, yeah, they're taking off, and it's like, ah, those ungrateful socks, ah, let them go, you know? <laughs> but, in the, but on the flip side, they had legitimate sure they did. reasons sure. to, I mean, they've been... They were following the program. But, and for how long? Yeah. I mean, how long had they had this, and, you know, and And, and Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. He did. And he didn't say, come back and say, and say thank you. I mean, he... They're following his instructions as they continue to go to the priest, which so. was what you were supposed to do. Right. You know, that's that's sort of if you felt like you were. Well, it was really critical. It's it. really critical that they would go directly to the priest before okay. the rumor mm-hmm. of their healing by Jesus could reach the priest. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there was no prejudice in the priest examining them. Oh, okay. So if, I mean, if, if the rumor gets to them right. first, the priest first that Jesus just healed these nine leper guys, then the priest is going to be. More skeptical and more. And which nine was it, by yeah, the way? And, and, and <laughs> you know, was it you? Was it you? Of course, it should be pretty obvious, yeah. right? At yeah. that point. But what should we learn from the way Jesus interacted with the nine? Because, you know, like we just said, they were following the instructions. They were, you know, following the custom. They were following the plan. They were doing everything they were supposed to. And yet they just left out this huge piece of, like you, like you said, Jeff, they missed the blessing, they missed the joy. And they miss getting a chance to say thank you. Mm-hmm. So what can we learn? How do we apply what they should have learned and maybe what the Samaritan did learn to, you know, we're not going to have this interaction right. every day. It's a little more mundane <laughs> existence than I just got healed by Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but we do every time. day, though. We yeah. do get healed every day. Well, by, that's true. You know, in that's a sense. True. We just have to understand and take that time to say, okay, who is the giver of this wonderful grace that I get every single day. Who's the giver? And all of a sudden I have to recognize, oh, wait a minute. Well, I think it's a really, yeah. especially this week, since it's Thanksgiving week and everything, yeah. um, it's, it, it, it might be a great opportunity to, even if, not, even if not every day, maybe just one day a week between now and the end of the year, to do a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. gratitude is, is one of those things in our lives that we think, well, I, you know, how can I be more grateful? Well, let's start practicing. I, yeah. I mean, you, 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 there's something that you're grateful for in your life somewhere. So start there and and build on that and start practicing expressing gratitude to God even. Uh, to write a prayer that's a total prayer of thanksgiving versus asking him for anything. Um, 
it's most of our yeah. prayers are very uh, dictatorial and <laughs> and wish listish. Wish list. <laughs> yeah. And so and instead, to to really think about, can I can I write a prayer for God or to God that just says thank you for a bunch of stuff and doesn't ask for anything? Yeah, that's a, it's a good discipline to try. We were at a conference. Uh, one of the presenters was talking about, you know, in, in our country, counseling is mostly. Uh, done cognitively. I mean, you sit there and somebody listens to you and then they, they kind of apply a treatment plan or whatever. He says in other countries, especially um, countries uh, that are a little bit more primitive, I guess, it's not about listening. Matter of fact, they kind of laugh and they go, are you kidding me? That's what you do for counseling to help people that are sad or depressed? <laughs> you, you listen to them? What does that do? <laughs> you know? And it's it's much more about directive. Yeah, a directive, a pursuit of something. And what that is, they you know, they realize that when they come for counseling from the sure. the elder or the chief elder of the of the village or wherever and he sends them on a usually it's on some kind of a pilgrimage or some kind of and what it is is to get their minds off themselves to focus on someone else or some other piece that solves most of the counseling problems that solves right everything yeah. or almost yeah. everything you can think of yeah <laughs> well i was just going to say that every year we end up doing a prayer room or a prayer experience interactively through uh, multiple locations. Right. We have a couple coming this year. And my favorites are always this time of year because mm-hmm. a lot of them are focused on a season of gratitude. And when you do something very intentional, it can easily become a habit if it's if you see the, the rewards and you see the benefits of it. And there are benefits to intentionally engaging oh, God, saying, hey, this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I hope to do better on to be I'm, – I'm grateful yeah. that because I don't do these things well, mm-hmm. you're still with me and I, you haven't left me behind. There's all kinds of research that talk about how uh, g- having a gratitude in our lives and having to, and practicing it and building a better pattern of, of giving gratitude actually can change your health outcomes. It can change your mental health as well as your physical yeah. health. Yeah. Um, it's it's lot, lots of good research out there about that. Well, man, a couple minutes to go yet, but it seems like this is going way too fast. But real quickly, I like the fact that the tax collector in the second half, <laughs> his occupation you know, gets a little upgrade in that second parable. They seem to have the modern-day equivalency to lawyers as we see them today, and maybe that helps us with our propensity to apply labels on people. Uh, but also that our belief that those labels are true as just a blanket indictment. Oh, lawyer, bad. Or mm. back then, tax collector, bad, you know, those kinds of things. Does Jesus choose those two, you know, he's got a Pharisee and a tax collector for this parable. Does he choose that <laughs> simply because, hey, maybe someone yeah. that you may automatically apply a label to isn't maybe as bad as you yeah. think? May, may not be what you see. Because the yeah. parable is written for those who thought they were righteous in their own eyes. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, Jesus yeah. introduces it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just in their eyes. I mean, it, the public... Truly yeah. believe, and the public hated you know anybody that's going to take their money as a tax collector, especially most of the tax collectors were were just you know Jews <laughs> paid <laughs> and by the and yeah. all the and they they actually their pay came from the taxes they collected so yeah that's even worse and so then you've got the Pharisees who all the everybody else believed in the town that that was truly the group of people following the law yeah. Well, one thing that came across to me that maybe stuck as hard as anything was you said, but we must forever resist the assumption that because we may be better off economically or have a better education or have better opportunities or practice better habits of health or temperance that we qualitatively are better humans. 
And I was thinking to myself, okay, no matter where you turn, everyday conversations, uh, pervasive on social media, too often our own thoughts we understand and we're judges of everybody else, Mm -hmm. when essentially that's not our call. And maybe it was never worded quite so well. And one of our FHA takeaways from this past weekend asked, how will you enlarge your heart of gratitude? And as we quickly run out of time, in light of everything we've discussed, questions we've asked and attempted to answer, the realization that we are all much more alike than different, what does your Thanksgiving resolution to enlarge your heart of gratitude look like? So you can send those by the mobile app is the easiest way. Just click on the podcast tab and you can use text, email, any of those things. Leave a voicemail. It's really old-fashioned, but it still works. Finally, from Andy's message, we finish with, All have sinned and there is no one good, no one who does right. Pray to God that you would never be so deluded as to say, Thank you, God, that I am not like other people. We are all so much more alike than different. And if we can kind of keep that in our forefront, that we maybe see a little something in others we can uplift and help as well. So what's upcoming this week? It's going to be a great message. Greg Creek will be speaking, and it's it's one of our From the Heart series. Yeah. It's called Mixing It Up. If you want to get a little head start, read read Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. All right. Well, there you have it. You won't want to miss that. So until next Wednesday in Episode 78, this is Randy for Andy, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.